What's up, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls? We're back. It is Saturday, September 2nd, 2023. First off, I feel great. I'm glad to be back. It's been over a month, just a little bit over a month, and I really do apologize, but this is the first time, I believe, that I have ever, in 215 episodes, missed this much time in between shows, and I wouldn't have done that if life didn't get in the way and certain things out of my control happened. So if we take it back, I think, geez, three, four weeks ago now, the beginning of August, I think, uh, well, I don't think I know, August 8th, um, unfortunately, my grandmother, 90 years old, she succumbed to her battle with cancer, so she passed away on Tuesday, I believe, August 8th, so that week we had the funeral, I, I couldn't do an episode there, and then immediately the following week, I had to go to Italy. So I went to Italy. Um, my brother was getting married in Italy. So I was there for that week. Then I came back and I immediately went on a boys trip with my friends and couldn't do an episode then. So I'm back. I think this is a good time to be back. And it's week one of college football, baby. And I woke up super early this morning. I don't know what prompted me to wake up around 9 o'clock, but I think I heard my phone buzz, and, you know, I woke up. I had to pee, whatever. Do, do that. And then I'm checking out my phone. I knew it's college football today. It's Saturday, obvi excuse me, obviously. I knew Colorado was playing early, and I, and I knew I wanted to watch that game. So I immediately jump on, and of course, week one college football, DraftKings, that's the first app I always go to, and they've got promos and different things like that, and they had a boost for like any bet, so I go and I see Colorado TCU. Now, I bet a lot, if you follow me, I bet a decent amount. Um, I bet on TCU three or four time, different times last year, and I think I hit all but one of those times, so they were lucrative. Um pick for me. So I knew that team well. I knew their players. And when I saw the spread at 20 and a half in favor of number 17 TCU, my, draw, my jaw hit the floor because I knew that I had found something juicy right here. And so immediately I had this little boost. It was only a $10 boost. So I was like, okay, here's what I could do. I could put it on the Colorado money line at plus 800 or I could do a little bit of a same-game parlay and make it worth my while. So that's what I did. I did a same-game parlay. I took Colorado Moneyline, and I took over 63.5 points, and it was plus 1,100. And it cashed, and I won $110. Now, the problem with that was I was exhausted. I went to bed after 2 o'clock in the morning last night, because I took a little nap yesterday evening-ish, mid-afternoon, and so I wasn't all that tired last night, so I stayed up late, watched a movie, whatever, went to bed. So I, when I woke up, I was so groggy and so tired, I knew after I placed that first bed, I had to go back to sleep. I set my alarm clock for 10.30, which gave me like an hour. 
I must have turned it off. My intention was to wake up before 12 o'clock, before the Colorado game started, and bet another 100 on Colorado plus 20 and a half. Had I done that, I would have won $200 instead of just 110. So, I mean, I'm not going to complain. A win is a win, but could have been a lot more. I might take a break. I was looking into betting Texas live because they were 35-point favorites and they were not winning big at all. So let's just hope, oh, God, they're up 30-3 to now. I could have got that. God, it was 16-3 to at half. You know, they're playing Rice. JT Daniels is on basically his last and final stop now that he's at Rice. Former five-star quarterback was supposed to be the next, you know, great Carson Palmer type guy, and he's just fallen off the map. And, yeah, Texas is blowing him out now. And I called it. I texted uh, my buddy, and I said, look out for Texas. Might bet them live. And sure enough, I didn't get it in. Okay, anyway, so that's a little disappointing. But, yeah, Colorado won in 11 last year, and they get the upset against the national champion runner-up. And it's funny, though, because you lost Max Dugan. You lost Quentin Johnson. Like, you lost 98% of your offense. Three returners on offense for this TCU team. So the fact that the spread was practically 21 points to me was shocking because yes oh Colorado they went one and 11 last year no 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 coach prime came in and brought in an entirely new roster an entirely new coaching staff overhauled the whole the whole of the whole shebang and brought in his son Shador Sanders okay and basically the number one player in the country who by the way, played 110 snaps, played both corner and played both wide receiver. Four players on Colorado had 100 yards receiving. I mean, it was just unbelievable. I told my brother right before Shador Sanders threw that game-winning touchdown or what eventually was the game-winning touchdown, I said, bet Shador Sanders to win the Heisman right now, and that's what we did. I jumped in. I threw because I had another boost on it, so I got it at plus fifteen thousand. So I got uh, ten dollars to win fifteen hundred. My brother got it at fifteen thousand as well, plus fifteen thousand on Fanduel, and he put fifty dollars on it, five zero. So that pays nearly like seventy five hundred. So uh, yeah, there for real. Shador Sanders is legitimate. Talk Caleb Williams all you want. Shador Sanders looked every bit as good, if not better, in my opinion. And I was thoroughly enthralled with that game. It was the back and forth. They got the big stop on the fourth down there, and uh, they get the, they get the win. So it's a big one for Coach Prime in his basically um, FBS coaching debut, of course, coming over from Jackson State and all that good stuff. So I don't really have an on this date in uh, on this day in sports, but – Never forget this day in history as Coach Prime showed us that he is for real. Expect from Colorado. We told you we coming. We told you we coming. You thought we were joking. And guess what? We keep receipts. God bless you, America. Ooh, God is good. There you go. They keep in the receipts. That's right. And if you were foolish enough to bet against Colorado, shame on you because I was not. And next week, oh, baby, it's Nebraska coming to town. And 
We get to watch it in all its glory, and I think Colorado will win that game as well. Nebraska had a tough, tough loss to Minnesota in Matt Rule's debut, losing on a game-winning field goal. They gave up 10 points in the final three minutes of that game and let Minnesota win that. Very Scott Frost, Ian, um, just like last year. So we'll see what Matt Rule um, can do against Colorado, but I would be, you you know, wetting myself right now because... I don't think there's any stopping this Colorado team as of yet. Yeah, their defense got decim- excuse me, decimated, but it was just a bloodbath in the second half. I mean, it was a very low-scoring game in that first half. What, 17-14 Colorado had the lead going to half? So it wasn't like they gave up a lot of points in the first half. They just both defenses, I, I think, excuse me, both offenses just played at such an elite level that I don't think many defenses, maybe not even Georgia's defense could have stopped, could have stopped them. And then, um, you know, Colorado's offensive line, yeah, Sanders got took some sacks that he maybe could have thrown the ball away, but he didn't make those, you know, mistakes where he tried to avoid a sack, got intentional grounding, or threw an interception or, you know, anything like that. Four touchdowns, no interceptions, 510 yards, a school record. Watch out, Colorado. Watch out. And I've seen this coming. I knew for months that this team was for real and that Coach Prime was for real. Okay, let's finally jump in. Let's get this thing started. So we had week zero. That's where we'll start, week zero, which was last week with college football. You had Notre Dame taking on Navy in Ireland. This was my first bet of the college football season. Cha-ching, that cashed. I'm now 2-1 and one on my picks. I'll get to the law, the one loss in a second, which was also last Saturday. But anyway, um, a lot has been made of the transfer uh, by Sam Hartman, the former Wake Forest quarterback, who I was very high on. I loved what I saw from him out of Wake Forest. He really turned that program around now at Notre Dame. And... You know, it's the Irish. They're playing in Ireland. I knew they would get a boost. I think the spread was 21, something like that. So I jumped on that. Um, It was max $10 boost, unfortunately. So I won, you know, $17. I'll take it. And then um, you also had, you know, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention the, you know, the odds on favorite to go number one, Caleb Williams, the consensus first overall pick, you know, he's beginning his Heisman follow-up. He threw for four touchdowns of his own. But again, USC, the problem with them is, and the problem with Lincoln Riley led teams is they give up a lot on defense. That was the problem at Oklahoma as well. And they surrendered 28 points to San Jose State. Really not very good. Um, defense coordinator Alex Grinch, who, of course, was on the hot seat after last season. Again, not off to a good start. But thankfully, due to their easy schedule early on, they look to be, um, they should go 6-0 and as they head to South Bend in October. So keep an eye out for them. Also new for this season, if you haven't already noticed by now, by the time you listen to this, I'm sure you've noticed it. Maybe you haven't. I don't know. But the clock, just like in the NFL, will not be stopping on most first downs. So, of course, the obvious exceptions, plays that go out of bounds. And then in the final two minutes of the second and fourth quarters is the only time that the uh, clock will stop. So, 
it'll be interesting to see throughout the season if that means less scoring all around. But from some of the scores I've seen so far, the scoring is not down. I got this Colorado TCU game at over 63 and a half. It was at, um, what was it at at halftime? 17-14, right? And then they exploded well over 70 points, fi- the final. Um, I saw Oklahoma win 66-0. to I mean, some of these scores are absurd. So it doesn't look like it's slowing down the, the, the scoring anytime soon. So um, that's something to definitely keep an eye on. And I want to talk about uh, New Mexico State and UMass because that was the game I lost money on. I put money on New Mexico State. They were heavy favorites, uh, seven-point favorites, I believe, going in. And I seen an athletic article claiming UMass was going to be the worst team in the country this year. And I bet on it at half or right at the start of the third quarter because it was a close game, and I was able to get New Mexico State, who was a seven-point favorite, pregame to plus one and a half. And I was like, I like this. And I liked it for about five minutes until I realized that New Mexico State couldn't stop the Minutemen the entire second half. And quarterback Diego Pavia, I don't know what he was doing, but this one clip at the end of the game went viral. He had his face mask ripped, um, turned around on him by a defensive lineman. So the face mask was to his back, so he was he was blind. He couldn't see when the face mask got flipped around, and he threw the ball anyway, and he threw it backwards. And it looked like he was throwing the ball blind all second half because he threw a pick six when they sort of had a chance to come back, and it was just disgusting watching that second half because we were out at a bar, uh, me and my friends, and... I was literally watching it on my phone. We had to ask one of the bar, uh, one of the uh, waiters. We had to literally ask him to switch the one game. They had freaking. They had WNBA, the New York Liberty on. We were up in New York. They had the New York Liberty on on the big sc- the one TV in front of us, and then on the side TV, I had to ask him to switch it to. I I, I forget what I asked him to switch it to, but um. It was another game, and then I was just watching this game, the New Mexico State. UMass game on my phone on ESPN Plus, and I was just disgusted. So, listen, the second I realized that I saw old-ass Don Brown on the sideline, and it's not a nothing against Don Brown, but he seems like he's been around forever, former defensive coordinator at Michigan under Harbaugh. He's been, he's been around the block. So as soon as I realized that they had veteran Don Brown as their head coach, UMass, I said, ah, shit, I, you know, screwed up. And I did. I fell for the trap. But it happens. I jumped back with a nice big win today with Colorado. Um, Some news out of Arizona State. So the Sun Devils are imposing a one-year bowl ban. This in connection to violations made under Herm Edwards. Which, come on. I mean, I'm a huge fan of Herm Edwards. Used to coach my Jets. Was on ESPN for a while. I don't know what the violations are. Um, but I'm sure if it was during NIL, these would not have been violations because they seem to let everything go now. And it's a in- it's interesting that they decided to impose that ban under, you know, new first year head coach and native son Kenny 
Dillingham under his first year. So it's very perplexing that they would do that, but maybe takes the pressure off him in his first year. There's not that pressure to go win and, and get to a bowl game. I don't really know, but yeah, take it for what it is. And then if we swing things on over to the NFL, by now you know, obviously, Trey Lance has been traded to the Cowboys. The 49ers traded him for one, one fourth round pick in the deal. I'm not really sure why Dallas made the deal, really. Um, I guess it's insurance, maybe, in case Dak doesn't re-sign or maybe if he gets hurt again. But we saw what Cooper Rush did a year ago, you know, in, in Dak's absence when he was hurt, and he was as good as you know, you can ask for in a backup. So I don't really think Trey Lance was brought in to be the number two. So very interesting. Uh, maybe they think they could fix him or the, the gamble was worth it. I know there was talk that they wanted to draft the quarterback in this past draft and they didn't do it. So now they got another quarterback. But let's step back for a second and talk about the 49ers and what a colossal failure it was with Trey Lance. And if you remember back in 2021, they traded three first-round picks and a third to trade up to number three and take Trey Lance. It's it's unbelievable. Unbelievable that they did that. And, um, yeah, I, I just, it, it, to me, it was shocking um, because I watched a lot of tape and I didn't really want the Jets to take Zach Wilson, and I thought maybe Trey Lance would have been the guy. And maybe with another team, if he didn't get hurt. I mean, that's the question with, with Trey Lance, right? He's been hurt, and, and, and no one really knows. But when he's played, he hasn't been too great. But who knows? But the reason nobody really talks too much about the 49ers and how bad that was drafting him and trading all those picks, it's because they got freaking Brock Purdy in the sec seventh round. And now Brock Purdy is their starter. And again, I wouldn't put it past Kyle Shanahan to reinvent and revitalize the career of Sam Darnold, who was the thir third overall pick by the Jets in 2018. He's in the perfect spot. If they feel that Brock Purdy doesn't cut it, don't they won't hesitate to go to Sam Darnold. I guarantee it. And the only thing that would devastate me as a Jets fan more than, you know, not winning the division or losing you know, in the AFC Championship game yet again, which, God, that would be pretty bad, right? But nothing, in my opinion, would be worse than going to the Super Bowl and losing to a Sam Darnold-led 49ers squad. I don't think that I would be able to recover from that. I really don't. Now, losing in another AFC Championship game in my lifetime would just be, that 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 would be gut-wrenching, honest to God. That would be bad. I don't know that I could recover from that either, but... Yeah, um, if you watched Hard Knocks, you know, they had the mentalist guy on, and he projected predicted a 31-21 Jets over 49ers Super Bowl. So we'll see. Um, let's just hope it's Brock Purdy and not Sam Darnold, if anything. Okay, um, similar to the Saquon Barkley holdout, Josh Jacobs holdout, that has finally ended. He's back with the Raiders. Both sides agreed on a one-year deal worth up to $12 million. Jacobs had been sitting out training camp as he refused to sign his $10.1 million franchise tag. And I'm on, I was on Jacobs' side throughout this whole thing because he led the league in rushing a season ago, and he was being basically told to sign 
for $10 million, which is nothing. And I know the running back position has been devalued, but he 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 was worth it. So I'm glad that he's back with the Raiders. Um, so good for him. Okay, a couple of years ago, I had a gripe with Simone Biles when she had, you know, I guess like the yips, they call it the twisties, where I guess like kind of like a, you know, a, a pitcher in baseball where they just lose all command of the strike zone and, and cannot figure out how to throw the ball. It's kind of like the catcher in major league where he couldn't throw the ball back to back to the pitcher. He just had some mental block there. She kind of had that, and I was upset because she took a spot away from someone else and cost the U.S. squad a chance to win at the Olympics. And, um, I mean, I guess it's hard. You're not in that situation. You don't know. Well, she's taken the last two years off from, you know, competing, but she came back and absolutely didn't skip a beat. Didn't skip a beat, okay? Over the weekend, Biles won her record eighth all-around title at the U.S. Gymnastics Championships, and she became, in doing so, she became the oldest woman ever to win the U.S. all-around crown. And now... She thinks she can win at the Olympics. She's gearing up to compete for the next Olympics, which is pretty astounding considering I think she's like 26 now, which in Olymp in the Olympics and in gymnastics, that's viewed as extremely old. So, you know, good for her. It's a nice story, nice comeback, etc. All right, let's talk some golf. Um, if you haven't been paying attention besides the majors this is the biggest time of the year it's the playoffs the FedEx Cup playoffs to be exact and my guy Victor Hovland has just gone back to back Victor Hovland is such a likable you know he's got the baby face he he's a nice kid he he's always um Oklahoma State I believe he went to he's always in that top 10 he's always very close he he's kind of like a Xander Shoffley right up there um but just never can get over the hump and win. Well, he just won back-to-back, back, including this past weekend winning the Tour Championship and taking home a cool $18 million. Um, So he took, I think, a six-shot or eight-shot lead into that final round. He just went out there, and he killed it with a 63. And what did he do after that win? I'll take a listen. This is how he celebrated. I usually don't get the chips, but oh yeah, okay. right now it's gonna taste pretty good. Oh boy, pretty good. I'll be dinner. <laughs> Does guac taste better after a win? Yeah, you could say that. <laughs> you would eat chipotle, huh? You would eat chipotle? Yeah. Chefy's baby to you. Stop, Jerry. Thank you. Did it despite your guy. <laughs> All the bad advice I gave him, just, yeah, he still did it. That's how good he is. So, yeah, um, you've got Victor Hovland. He was eating Chipotle, some chips and guac there, and he said that would be dinner. So, yeah, that's how you celebrate. It was probably late in, at night and not not much to eat, probably tired, Um and so, yeah, Chipotle does hit the spot after a long day. So, uh, yeah, I thought that was pretty cool. Um, and then also very cool, the Little League World Series. You know 
you know the summer's ending and it's back to school time when the Little League World Series comes to an end, and that's what happened. The Little League World Series came to an end, and the U.S. back on top, baby. The kids from El Segundo, California, are Little League World Series champs, beating, uh, defeating Curacao on this walk-off from shortstop Lewis Lappy. Take a listen. Yeah, um, I don't know what they're feeding the kids in El Segundo, but Jesus, these kids are friggin' huge. I mean, I'm a grown man, 31 years old, and these kids are are way bigger than me. And that kid, Lappy, uh, I mean, he looked close to 5'11", 6 feet tall, and what, he's 12, 13 years old? Um, but yeah, congratulations. I always laugh when these kids from these other countries are just monsters. I'll never forget years ago. Saudi Arabia had a kid that looked like an offensive lineman in the NFL playing first base. It was just incredible. So, yeah, congrats to them. And I don't know if anyone saw the video where they went through uh, Carl Ravitch and ESPN. They were interviewing them, I think, and they were asking all the players from El Segundo, like, who their favorite MLB player was. And a lot of them were saying Lars Newtbar. And then it got to one kid, and he's like, uh, Lar- yeah, Lars Newtbar, because he's dating my older sister, which I thought was just hilarious. So, yeah, I guess Lars Newtbar is from El Segundo as well. Um, but, yeah, congrats to the kids from El Segundo, California, beating Curacao in the Little League World Series Championship. Okay, let's talk about the Arizona Cardinals. They they don't get as much heat as, say, the Washington uh, Commanders or Redskins. Um, but I could argue that they are the most defunct and poorly run organization in the NFL. And I'm not even here to, to tell you or to speak about former GM Steve Keim, who's been under oath in court testifying to how they signed David Johnson, like the owner gave him a burner phone, like all this illegal crap that went on behind the scenes. It's going on in the courts. You can go look it up. This is true. I'm talk. I'm here to talk about the fact that, yeah, they drafted Josh Rosen. That was Steve Kime. Drafted Josh Rogan and had Steve Wilkes as their head coach for one year. And I think Steve Wilkes has, has been, you know, in these court hearings as well, revealing stuff that's been going on behind, that went on behind the scenes there. They drafted Josh Rosen and had Steve Wilkes for one year. Got rid of them, boom, brought in Kyler Murray for one year. Now they signed Kyler Murray to this mega deal. He tore, what, his ACL or whatever mid-last season. So now they officially announced he's on the pup, can't return for at least the first four weeks. And then they cut Colt McCoy, their veteran quarterback, who everyone assumed would just be the starter. He's been there, what, five years or so. Um, So they get rid of him. They now... um, brought in Josh Dobbs. They traded for Josh Dobbs, which 
is very interesting because Josh Dobbs is sort of a journeyman at this point and really is not a guy that you would look at. I think he what? I think he had one game in Tennessee maybe last year that he played pretty well in a primetime game. Maybe it was a Thursday night game or something like that. Um, and I think their quarterback's coach or offensive coordinator worked with him in Cleveland, so there's some familiarity there, and I know it's a new regime. But this team, we've never truly, like, honestly seen tanking in the NFL. It's very hard to do. But is this team tanking? They just paid Kyler Murray all this money at the start of last season, and now could they honestly be tanking to try to get Caleb Williams? It's a very intriguing very intriguing um, thing to observe here, what, what's going on in Arizona. And so so to break it down, if they honestly wanted to move away from Kyler Murray after giving him this big contract, after this season, he would be owed $35 million. Plus, they would have to incur a GDP's worth of dead cap space. So it, it, it's hard to believe that they would just move on from him, but you just never know. Uh, and we'll just, again, have to wait and see how the season plays out. If Murray does come back after a couple weeks, then we know maybe they're not tanking. But if a healthy Kyler Murray doesn't start suiting up into October, well, then there's going to be there's gonna be some... Uh, some definite reports of tanking going on. So just something to keep an eye on. And we'll have to wait and see how this whole whole thing plays out. Um, In other news, I did not know this till today. I did not see this advertised anywhere, but Jose Altuve hit for the cycle on Monday. He completed it with an eighth-inning home run in Boston. Then you had former MLB manager and player Pat Corrales who unfortunately passed away at the age of 82. Corrales was a former catcher and manager of the Rangers, Indians, excuse me, and Phillies. He played nine seasons of professional baseball from 1964 until 1973 with the Phillies, Reds, and Padres. He managed the Rangers from 1978 to 1980, the Phillies from 82 to 83, and Cleveland from 84 to 87. And after being fired from Cleveland that season, he took coaching jobs with the Yankees, Braves, and Nationals. And as recently as 2012, he was hired as a special assistant to the GM. So RIP to Pat Corrales. And we also have to say RIP to the Angels. What a season. Again, another season of Mike Trout another season of Shohei Otani, and another season up in flames. It was such an up-and-down season. So obviously, Artie Moreno, like nobody knows, he, one of the worst owners in sports, was going to sell the team, not going to sell the team. No idea what's going on. All the talk in the offseason was, will they re-sign Otani? What's going to go on with Otani? Is he going to sign with the Yankees, the Padres, like the Mets? Blah, blah, blah. Then midway through the season, Otani was playing at an MVP pace. He was on... He was, he was starting to scare me. I talked about it on the last episode, I think, that I was starting to get worried he might break Judge's record of 62 home runs last year. He was pitching great, but just hitting bombs. And But the Angels, like, they weren't doing great. And, of course, then we had the August 1st trade deadline, and all of a sudden they were playing good. So it's like, okay, there was talk that they might trade Otani at the deadline, but then they started winning. And now it's like, okay, we're going to be buyers at the deadline. So they bring in... 
you know, Lucas Giolito, and, and they're like ready to go for this thing. And then Otani tears his UCL, UCL, excuse me, is shut down, won't pitch the rest of the season. And since that August 1st trade deadline, the Angels have gone, I think, 9 and 20 or 8 and 20. Yeah, 8 and 20 since August 1st. They just put a, a fifth of their roster on waivers, and three of those players, including Matt Moore and Lucas Giolito, were picked up off waivers by the Cleveland Indians, who are like six games under 500, but they're only like five out uh, of the playoffs, and they're just going for it at this point. So it is a crazy, crazy um, final month, if you will, Last month, a uh, crazy August, really, for, for the Angels. They thought they were going to go for it, but again, then then you had Trout. I'll never forget that that uh, presser from a few weeks ago with the GM of the Angels, where he was just so depressed. They had a doubleheader, and after the first game, he's it was the first game back for Mike Trout off the IL, which he was on the IL for like six weeks, and he's like, "Yeah, Mike Trout, he'll be going back on the IL after today's first game," and then, "Yep, yeah, Otani." He's going to get some uh, x-rays, MRI, because, uh, yep, we think he uh, tore his UCL. So, uh, yeah. Uh, basically, he just was so depressed, and it's like, yeah, how is this happening yet again? Mike Trout never made the playoffs. They had Otani never made the playoffs. Just shocking. And now with the UCL injury, who knows what Otani does, because he was set to get paid a record amount of money, and now who knows? Does he pull a Masahiro Tanaka? Does he try to, is he able to pitch through a tear? Tanaka pitched years with that tear, never had any issues. Um, or does he not get the surgery and then he can hit next year? I don't know. But either way, his bottom line is screwed now. He just lost out on like $100 million probably. Yikes. And sorry, Angels fans. Back to the drawing board. Next year's roster is going to look a hell of a lot different. And if you and the crazy part is, I don't think enough people are talking about the Angels, and that is because you had three teams with the highest payrolls in the sport: the Mets, Yankees, and Padres. And all three are going to miss out on the playoffs. The Mets had the highest payroll in the history of the sport. They were largely overshadowed, though, by their crosstown rivals in the Yankees who are not going to make the playoffs and are in last place this year. And then you have the Padres who went out and they they got um, you know Juan Soto at the middle of last season. They went to the NLCS, and now they're not even going to make the playoffs. So they're going to look for sweeping changes. I hope the Yankees can sign Juan Soto, though, um, because they also put Harrison Bader on waivers. He found out on ESPN, and then he was picked up by Cincinnati. So he is now no longer on the team. So great trading Jordan Montgomery away last year for Harrison Bader, who, yeah, he was your best player in the playoffs last year, but it did you no good, and he's just been mostly hurt this year. But it enabled them to call up the young kids, um, Jason Dominguez. He homered in his first at-bat off Justin Verlander, future Hall of Famer Justin Verlander. It was his first swing of his Major League career. The Martian lifted off to uh, the short porch there in left field. So, uh, yeah, Yankees got a nice win 6-2, to two, but I haven't really been paying attention too much to them as the season will go down as the worst in my lifetime, even worse than 95 because I was 3 and I don't remember that. Okay, back to football. You know, Bill Belichick, I feel like 
it's funny. I feel almost like I am the Bill Belichick of my fantasy football league, and I'll explain. So my fantasy league was supposed to draft tonight, and a couple of us were going to meet up, but then last minute, one guy was being a pain in the ass, so we had to do the draft two nights ago, so on Thursday night. And I had the fourth overall pick. First time in league history that I had a top four pick. The best I ever had was fifth, and I drafted Michael Thomas, and he missed the whole year. So anyway, I had the fourth overall pick. And I'm not one of these big mock draft type guys. All my friends are like, mock draft, mock draft, like doing 50 mock drafts. And mock drafts don't do anything. Half the time, it's auto-drafting, guys auto-drafting. And none of the players you get in a mock draft are available when you draft, for real. So I did one mock draft the day of my draft during my lunch hour at work. And... It was absurd. I got, like, Austin Eckler. I got Jalen Hurts. I got Devontae Smith. Like, my team was in ridiculous, and it's like, no way. So I, I just was like, this is a joke, right? So the draft comes, and everyone puts all their stock in everything. And by the rankings, it's uh, it was a Yahoo League. By the rankings, I should have taken Austin Eckler. Well, I didn't. I wanted a surefire pick in the first round. I wanted a guy that I knew I wouldn't get coming back around. So I took Travis Kelsey with the fourth pick, and that kind of disturbed the whole draft, right? Because, like, when you do stuff like that, that's like the Bill Belichick stuff. You just do stuff, like, kind of out of left field and different things like that, right? So I took Kelsey with my first pick, totally happy with that. And then things, you know, fell out of whack from there. And then Eckler went fifth and whatever. So when it wrapped back around to me, I had no intention to take this player, but then he was just sitting there and I just couldn't help myself and I took Jalen Hurts. So I got Kelsey and Jalen Hurts as my top two picks and that those two are literally going to carry me all season long. I have no questions about it. And then I took J.K. Dobbins, who I am very high on this year. I know a lot of insiders are very high on J.K. Dobbins. So I kind of I don't go with the mold or, or I go against the grain. And I, I bring that up with Bill Belichick because he did he does the same thing, man. And I don't know if he's losing his marbles. I think he's like in his 70s now. But Bill Belichick, until yesterday, just cut all his quarterbacks, not named Mac Jones. He cut veteran Trace McSorley. He cut rookie Malik Cunningham, who I'm pretty sure they just drafted. And then he cut Bailey Zappi, who many thought were in a quarterback uh, was in a quarterback battle with Mac Jones and even played a, a little bit last year and was pretty good. So they were down to one quarterback in Mac Jones as of yesterday until, you know, they ended up signing uh, former Panther Matt Corral from, I believe, Ole Miss. So just very bizarre stuff like Bill. And listen, maybe this is what happens when maybe he's reeling. Maybe he's just so discombobulated and, and so on edge and doesn't know what to do at the quarterback position since he doesn't have Tom Brady anymore. And it's kind of showing. I mean, Mac Jones is fine, in my opinion, but he he's no he's no Tom Brady. You ain't winning a Super Bowl with him. Not in that division. Nope. So, some other notable cuts. You had Melvin Gordon did not make the Ravens' final roster. What is, de what is going on at the running back position is unbelievable in the NFL right now. It has become so watered down and devalued, it's crazy. The wide receiver depth in this league is insane. The running backs, not so much. Um, TCU quarterback Max Dugan didn't make the Chargers' 53-man roster. And then Doug Peterson 
had to cut his own son in tight end Josh Peterson. Yikes. That's a new one. Um, But one cool story came from the Saints. If you didn't realize, their new punter that ended up winning this job is a 30-year-old by the name of Lou Headley, an Australian Juco rookie who worked as a scaffolder and owned a tattoo shop before winning the Saints punter job. Just incredible. And then even more incredible than that probably is the Nebraska women's volleyball team set a new women's sports attendance record. If you haven't seen videos of this, go look it up on X, you know, formerly Twitter, TikTok, you name it. It is incredible. A staggering 92,003 fans packed into Nebraska's football stadium to watch the number four Huskers defeat Omaha. The event set a world attendance record for a women's sporting event, beating out the 2022 Champions League semifinal, excuse me, between FC Barcelona and Wolfsburg. So, just so we've got this clear, that means the most attended women's sporting event in world history, in the history of this planet, was a college volleyball match. And by comparison, the Cornhuskers' typical venue seats about 8,000. Just insane. Oh, and tickets were very hard to come by. The initial allotment of 82,900 sold out in just three days. Okay, Wander Franco, if you don't know, his career is likely over. There was rumors that he was dating a 14-year-old girl. And so now he's under investigation. They've placed him on some list, and he hasn't played since. Well, authorities in the Dominican Republic are investigating a second formal complaint against Franco about an alleged inappropriate relationship with another minor. So all in all, three underage girls have accused him of misconduct. His career at this point is looking very thin. Although I will say with athletes, I mean, Deshaun Watson wiggled his way out of an absolute nightmare situation. You just never know with athletes. Could these be just allegations? Could these be claims coming after his money? You just never know. So, yeah, something to keep an eye on. He's one of the biggest young stars in this game, and it would be a huge hit for the Rays if his career is over. Uh, Back to some college football. So, last season, Kirk Ferentz, and Iowa struggled mightily on offense. So they were under a lot of pressure coming into this season that they set a clause. So if you don't know, Iowa's offensive coordinator is Kirk Ferentz's son, Brian Ferentz. And last year under Brian, the offense was absolutely abysmal. They averaged just 13.6 points per game, had seven passing touchdowns, and seven interceptions, won a game 7-3, to three, thanks to two safeties, by the way, and cornerback Cooper DeGene scored the third most touchdowns on the team. So this year, as a compromise, they put a clause into Ference's contract, the offense coordinator Brian Ference's contract. If the offense doesn't average 25 points per game or score a, a total of 325 points for the season and make a bowl game, Ference will lose his contract, meaning his dad will have to fire him. 
So coming into today's game against Utah State, they were big-time 23.5-point favorites, and I wish I would have seen this game because I would have jumped on Utah State. And guess what the final score was? 24-14. to 14. You can't win by 24 points if you only score 24. You'd have had to held them to zero points, and that's hard to do. So not only did they not cover the 23.5, they didn't average the 25, which they're going to need for Ference to keep his job. So they better wake up, or Kirk is going to have to fire his son. But if that does come to fruition, he can just call up Doug Peterson and ask him how to broach that subject. Um, Ference, by the way, Kirk, the head coach, is the longest-tenured college football coach in America right now. All right, so that's pretty much all I've got. I thought this was going to go a lot longer. Um, I don't want to harp on, like, the baseball stuff because it really it's all about football now. So college football is back. We've got – let's check in before I let you go. Um, obviously, the NFL season kicks off on Thursday night with um, the Lions and the Chiefs on NBC. The Jets will play the Bills Monday night. Can't wait for that game. No Von Miller there. He's out for the first four games. So, okay, let's check in on some college games. I'm still really mad about Texas not betting them. Ohio State's up 20-3 to on Indiana. Uh, Maryland's rolling over Towson. Wisconsin's up 21 on Buffalo. Uh, let's see. Washington's up 42-19 to on Boise State. Auburn's up big. Jesus, Texas is up 37-10. to Golly. Man, oh, man. I could have jumped on that. Anyway. Um, Syracuse is beating Colgate 65 to nothing. Uh, Georgia's up 7 nothing early on. Well, not really that early. End of the three minutes left in the first quarter. Only 7 nothing against Tennessee Martin. Uh, you've got number six, USC. They will play at 6.30 against Nevada. 16, Kansas State plays Southeast Missouri at 7. What's the big game tonight? Um, North Carolina, South Carolina, that's at 7.30. Number four, Alabama's at 7.30. Um, there's not really a big-time game. I, yeah, I was looking at the uh, Penn State, number seven Penn State-West Virginia game. Penn State is 21-point favorites. I was thinking about taking West Virginia with the points. That's a lot of points, but I don't know. I might just take the, the 110 profit for today and call it a day. Anyway, that's your college football. You've also got U.S. Open tennis going on. I don't really know where that stands. I just heard a funny, funny thing today that court 17 smells like marijuana. So um, some German tennis players said it smells like Snoop Dogg's living room, and they've been investigating, saying there's no marijuana um, it, you know, being smoked in the stadium. They think it's coming from a park across the street, which, shocker, it's New York for you, right? Um, Rutgers, they'll play take on Northwestern tomorrow at noon. That game is on CBS. I will be going to that game thanks to um, my friend Nick. He got me some tickets, so me and my dad are going to be attending that game. Should be interesting. Northwestern reeling from um, you know the whole scandal and, and whatnot with Pat, Fitz, Pat Fitzgerald, and so who knows? I, you know, Rutgers, I don't really know what to expect from them. This is kind of a split. This is kind of a pick em type game, if you will. Uh, Rutgers is favored, but I, I don't, you know, I don't trust it too much. Uh, we'll see what they what they have in store. It's, you know, a Big Ten game, so it's an interesting one there. Uh, what else? What else? Um, 
yeah, I don't have it on this date. I told you, book it. This is the day of Coach Prime. Um, one thing I wanted to say, a lot of good television, movies, et cetera, coming out, mostly TV shows. If you don't know what Invasion is on Apple TV, highly recommend that. Season two just came out. Um, you've got the one I can't wait for. I, I'm going to try to watch some of that tonight. The first three episodes of season two dropped. Wheel of Time on Amazon. First season was absolutely incredible. That's based on the epic fantasy novels uh, series by Robert Jordan and Brandon Sanderson because I think Jordan died and Sanderson picked it up. There's so many books in that series. Um, I have not read them. They're they're there's just too much, um, but it's kind of like on a Game of Thrones type level, like in in the sci, you know, in the fantasy realm. Just really, really good. Rosamund Pike is in that show, and then there's a new interesting one on Netflix that I saw a trailer for a long time ago that I've been intrigued by that I want to try to catch too. It's called One Piece. That's a fantasy about like a ragtag team of like these teenager pirates. They go on some maiden voyage looking for a treasure, so that kind of looks cool. Um, as well. So yeah, some, some interesting stuff. If you're, you're looking to break away from, from sports, 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 cause you know, I love my sports, but I enjoy a good television show or movie binge on a weekend. So yeah, um, that'll do it for this week's episode number 215. I'm glad to be back and I will try to get to these more consistently. Probably won't be doing many Friday episodes just because now that the school year is starting back up, um, I do the chains at football game, high school football games on Friday nights um, throughout you know the, the fall. So I'll be doing a bunch of those. So I'll, I'll probably be doing most of my episodes on Saturdays, but I plan on doing them. Um, I will get you an episode by Friday, of course, for the NFL, start of the NFL season. I'll give you my picks, my bets, et cetera. But one bet that 88% of the public is on as of right now, we all know the saga, the disaster that's going on in Indianapolis with the Jonathan Taylor situation. He wanted a trade. They ended up not trading him, instead putting him on the pub list for now. No one really knows if he's going to come back or not. So, the public is riding high on the Jaguars at minus five and a half over Indy. I can't really question it. It's tough, though, when when all of America is on one side of a bet that people don't really pay attention to the other team. And, you know, new young quarterback and Anthony Richardson. But I'm sorry. Even I'm going to ride with, in, uh, with uh, Jacksonville in this one. It's just too much. Rookie quarterback, Anthony Richardson. Doesn't really have many weapons besides Pittman at this point. I don't even know who the running back's going to be. Um, they're they're just in shambles right now, and everybody knows it. So that would be my one my one like lock of a bet. And of course, I'm going to take my Jets. But I'll get into all that and much more next week. I'll tell you some of my futures bets, etc. Before the season starts. So with that being said, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, I hope you enjoyed my first episode back in over a month. I'm glad to be back. Enjoy the college football season. Enjoy the rest of your Labor Day weekend. Enjoy that Monday off if you have it. Um, get those last, you know, rounds of golf in this fall before, you know, it gets a little bit too cold out there. Um, just enjoy the, you know, enjoy these last couple days uh, of, you know, freedom, if you will, as everybody gets back into the school year and things get crazy. So with that being said, this is the Pody signing off.